Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. And welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome. I don't know why I'm, I just needed to laugh. I'm, I'm actually quite so excited. This is so great. I feel excited. I'm so excited for our podcast. I feel like I'm recording with somebody new because you're in a different location. I'm in a different country. You are. <laughs> I've crossed the international border. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a little stir crazy. So this podcast I've been really looking forward to because this is some of my only human contact that I've had in the past week. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not good, Anna. Well, I'm doing it for my country. So I'm going to be here in Toronto, in Canada, for two months doing some clinical practice. And so in crossing from the US, where the COVID case rates are out of control, in crossing over to Canada, you have to quarantine for two weeks. It's a public health enforced mandate. Yeah. And if I break quarantine, which means if I leave this house, I could face jail time. Yeah. And they're not messing around. Yeah. So when I crossed the border, I was like threatened. It took about 10 minutes to cross the border. And they were very nice about it. Canadians are always very nice. But they're like, if you fuck up. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you can say that. If you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's drop some F-bombs. Um, we're going to get you. Yeah. So I've been staying inside, not moving. So are they doing checks as well on people? Do they check your accommodation? They say that they will. Yeah. And I'm scared that they will. I haven't seen anybody, but as my husband says, just look for a moose with glasses hiding behind (laughs) bushes. (laughs) The Secret Service moose patrol. (laughs) And I've looked outside and I I don't see any large uh, wildlife with cell phones. (laughs) So as far as we know, I I don't know, but I could be under surveillance. I did get a phone call from public health. They were very nice. They were like, you know, asked questions pertaining to whether I was following the rules. And she asked, are you getting fresh air? I was like, oh, that's very nice of you to ask. Thank you for caring. Yeah. So she also wanted to know about my access to fresh air. Yeah. I said, yes, I have a little garden. Thank you for asking. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. At least you're not going too stir crazy. Yes. So they're doing a similar thing here where they are different parts that you travel from have got different rules as to Mm. whether you have to quarantine or not and different durations but Mm. they're actually checking up on people wow so that they are actually sending the police to knock on your door to double check that you're in and if you're not you get fined yeah so not quite imprisonment but you do get fined and it's quite a substantial amount from what i've heard like hundreds of pounds or dollars right oh this is thousands oh wow i think so I think you're right. I think that the fine here is $2,000 or something like that. Yeah. Which is not worth the risk really, is it, for a pint of milk? You know, and it's not usually a pint of milk. It's going to see a friend who you're like, I can't wait a week to see you. But no, it is is really serious. Like all joking aside, (laughs) although we do joke a lot, so it's hard to put the jokes aside. But I really do. Like I'm coming from the United States, the U.S., especially because we were traveling in North Carolina, the case rates there are substantial and Canada is really doing a good job of keeping things low. So they don't need idiots like me crossing the border and really putting a very dangerous wrench in their efforts. And I'm a doctor. And if I get caught doing stupid flouting public health rules, doesn't make me a good doctor. Well, it's just not worth it either, is it? You're told the rules. Correct. You know what you traveled on. You just have to deal with it. Got to do it. 
absolutely this is a moment in time yeah. just gotta deal with it we're doing this podcast i'm catching up with other things and i'm also seeing patients virtually which i very much like that's cool yeah very modern i know it's awesome so how has your week been yeah the week's been good actually i've had a very productive morning this morning oh tell me more well i've already cut the grass and done my laundry marathon i would like to know how it wow. feels like a marathon just doing the laundry <laughs> <laughs> so how many loads oh i must have done at least six. Oh my god all dried all put away wow. not all this morning obviously otherwise my machine would be uh supersonic <laughs> wow oh my gosh that's a marathon yeah but i was out there cutting the lawn as well it's a beautiful <gasps> beautiful sunny day today here oh, so yeah and i was thinking whilst i was doing all of this work i was thinking in just getting mentally prepared for the podcast oh nice yeah. nice so you have had some contemplative time yes. folding laundry and that fresh grass smell has been an inspiration to your thoughts for our podcast. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. So I am, yeah, loaded, locked and loaded and ready to go. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> so what's happening in the world? Let's switch to the International Correspondence Desk. Oh, well, here we go. Are Sounds you ready saucy. for this this week? No, it's not saucy, actually. I'm, I'm staying clean this week. <laughs> I'm staying clean. Must be the cut grass <laughs> or the fresh underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this week, I'm going to talk about a study that has been done. There seems to be a lot of people doing studies, by the way, into hugging and the benefits <gasps> of hugging. Oh. Now, I'm sure you'll know about all this being a doctor, being our doctor in the house. Oh my God. So yes. the study was all about hugging a partner or a friend for 20 seconds mm. and then the benefits that you receive as part of that. Now, I didn't have anybody hug today to do a bit of an experiment, except the guy <laughs> in the corner shop, but I thought he Ooh. would think it was a bit weird, so I didn't <laughs> ask for that. But what I did do, because I was really curious if 20 seconds is a long time or not. So I did that thing that you do when you're younger and you kind of pretend that you're with a boyfriend. Did, did this ever happen at your school? Oh, with a pillow. Yeah. And you yes. put your arms around yourself yes. so that you could see them at your back and you yes. kind of just pretend and you'd be messing about with your mates. So I thought, right, let's try it. I'm going to give myself a hug. And I set the timer for 20 seconds mm. and actually it wasn't that long. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm surprised. Okay. Well, I'm surprised as well. But then I... I'm a big hugger so I did wonder if maybe it's because I'm a big hugger it didn't mm. feel that long for me but I'll, I'll carry the experiment out a little bit further later with my mm. other half and we'll see if 20 seconds feels like a long time. And that's not distracted hugging like patting each other on the back no, like no, we do when it we're was awkward. Just in, no it was just straight in for a hug none of that kind of arms distant you had to be a yeah. proper bear hug in there. Wow. Yeah. No talking awkwardly because no. it feels weird. No. Just, just just get in there and embrace. Full embrace. Oh, God. I'll tell you, this is hitting me in a special spot because I am away from my uh, my dude. And the one thing I need right now is a hug, I do have to say. And also because I can't hug anybody. I'm in quarantine. I do have flatmates here, but I, I can't go near them. My God, that sounds amazing. It sounds so therapeutic. I do feel mentally bad now for bringing this one. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Actually... I love the visceral reaction that I'm having from this, which mm. is I feel the power of this, of what you're, I know this to be true. Well, maybe you should just close your eyes and have a virtual hug. Yeah. And just remember what it's like to hug your man. Now that is beautiful advice for all of us out there who may be a bit away apart yeah. from our person we want to hug. 
So tell me about the health benefits. Yeah, would you like to know the benefits? Because I think, I think you'll be interested in this with your medical background. I would indeed. So number one, reduced stress. Number two, lower blood pressure. Beautiful. Number three, boost the immune system. Mm-hmm. Number four, it improves your mood. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I can't read my own writing here. All right. Number five, <laughs> it balances your nervous system. Uh-huh. Number six, it shifts your body and mind into a coherent state. And lastly, it helps with depression. Oh, my gosh. You know how much the pharma industry would want to block this <laughs> modality? I would so much rather prescribe hugs to people yeah. than blood pressure and depression medications. Yeah. And again, not that there isn't a role, but if hugs can be an adjunct treatment, yeah. I will bring my prescription pad out and put three hugs a day. Wow. I think when you read that list, I know some people do feel uncomfortable with physical contact, mm. but I think if we can step outside of the comfort zone and push beyond that and just try it, I think if you read that list, it kind of feels like a no-brainer. It does, yeah. So what it's saying is that physical contact actually helps our body relax, yeah. our blood vessels relax, our stress hormones relax, that there is something that evolutionarily happens to us when we connect with other people skin to skin. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Or solar plexuses come into alignment or something happens. I think just even taking some, just that time out, that even though it's only a few seconds, that just pause where you think about nothing at all. Yeah. And all you do is just feel the embrace of another human being. When I think about that, I can almost feel my nervous system settling down. Yes. And it's a natural response to somebody who's upset is to say, come here and I'll give you a hug. Mm. And I know it's tricky, isn't it, at this time in COVID and we're not supposed to hug. And, yeah. you know, obviously rules are different around the world, different places. And, and we're not saying that you should flout those rules at all. So whatever the rules are in your location, but if you are able to hug somebody and you've got that opportunity, then we encourage you to go out there and bring on a big bear hug. Yeah. Either to the folks in your pods. So some yeah. people around the world have pods. You may ask for permission for a big hug from one of your pod mates. And I know that our relationships, some of our relationships are quite frayed at the edges because you've been isolating together in quarantine. We've talked about that. We'll continue to support you. Even if you're a bit frayed on the edges with your partner, you may just ask, you know, there's been some really great research out there. Could we try this? Yeah. Could I have your participation in a good hug and, and let's tell each other how we feel afterwards? Yeah. It's a really good chance to get back into intimacy if that's been something that's been lacking or missing in your life. Mm -hmm. Gosh, what a beautiful entryway. Yeah, absolutely. Because you may find if you're in the middle of a hug with a partner, with somebody who or a partner or a romantic interest, you may find some fizzy knickers coming up in the middle of the hug. You never know. <laughs> you never know when the fizzy yeah. knickers are going to strike. They could strike at any time. Yeah. <laughs> I do find that I have some fizzy knickers when I hug my dude. Oh, that's Fizzy good. knickers come up. That's good. That's the way it should be. Yeah. And it's funny, and I forget about those fizzy knickers, but the hug happens and then we, oh yeah, we do like each other. Yeah, it's a good reminder. So yeah, doctor's note for everyone out there, to support your blood pressure, to support your mood, to support your lowered stress, get out there and hug people for at least 20 seconds at a time. 
You heard it. Dr. Anna's prescribed it. Absolutely. Get on out there. <laughs> you didn't disappoint this week. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to keep on coming. Nice. Very good. We do have to ask that all the researchers out there carry on doing their studies. Please do. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I'll be quite short of material at some point. I know. But just like many of us are baking bread in COVID, researchers are doing research. Excellent. I'm hoping. Me too. Fingers crossed. So, are we ready for the hot, hot topic this week? Oh, yes. Doing my stretches. Okay. So, this week, the hot topic is, would you still get married if divorce didn't exist? Oh, God, I am so in love with this. All right, Sarah, take it away. This is a phenomenal hot topic. Well, for once, I'm not going to go literal straight away on this. Mm. So I started to imagine this is some sort of futuristic sci-fi book that gets made into a big blockbuster with mm. some leading stars in it, where actually it's really full of robots and artificial intelligence that all go around and check that you are still staying married and that you haven't flouted any of the rules. And a bit like flouting your lockdown rules there are some really big implications if you do get into trouble and don't follow the rules oh like what well imprisonment there's some capital punishment in there oh my gosh it's not good it's not good yeah and i'm thinking about this gray starship where there is no escape and there's strict monitoring yeah it's very dark oh I love that you took us there because this is the perfect setting in which to consider this question. And so in this world, marriage is optional, but you can't leave it. It's like the Hotel California. You can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. No, once you're married, that's it. Ah, wow. Okay, so this is a very helpful setting because I think a lot of people are like, what do you mean divorce wouldn't exist? But you've painted a setting of a controlled environment where it really does not exist. You can't leave. You're together for life. Yeah. Which in the olden days, social pressures and the church were that enforcement. There really was no divorce. They were the robots. Yeah, they were the, they were the robots. (laughs) That has so much meaning. I love to, I want to ponder that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Don't ask me where this image came from, but it came to me before. (laughs) I did then quickly move on from this dark, weird place that entered my brain to think about, well, could you still get separated? Mm. So Mm. if you were married, but could you still separate? Was that an option? Now, obviously, in my weird sci-fi futuristic world, I don't really think that was possible. But it did make me think about, well, what would happen if if your partner turned into a serial killer? Mm. Does that mean that you still have to stay married? Now, I've just finished watching, binge watching The Fall on Netflix, which was all about a serial killer, which is why this is in my mind, you see. Yeah. But it does make you wonder, so if they turned into a serial killer, now I know there are not that many on the planet, thankfully, but if they did, would you still have to stay married to them? Or if they if they committed any other acts of deviancy? Yes. Which is defined by this oppressive society by certain... Hmm... And it's funny, the second that we start to introduce rules, then it means we're itching to create a way out. Yeah. And separation, well, you know, I mean, separation could exist, but then a lot of folks, number one is finances, they often want to create sort of a finality to the end of a relationship through divorce. And number two is 
because in I think in most societies you're not allowed to be married to more than two people to more than one person that yeah if you do want to get married again should you want to repeat a mistake uh, then you have to get divorced in order to get remarried again so even on this oppressive starship that has these rules I mean I'm assuming that yeah to get married again you'd have to be divorced which no divorce so the second that we start to bring in rules and the second that we start to imagine ways around it what kind of things come up in your mind <laughs> human tendency I think. Well, I'm going to step away from the weirdness in my brain and start to bring it back to reality a little bit. And it did make me wonder quite a bit if you would be more choosy about who you get married to. I think it made me wonder about would you try and find out more about that person? Hmm. Often there's this pressure on society to get married. So when you meet somebody, the question is always, well, when are you going to get married? It is. Then when you get married, you get, well, when are you having a baby? <laughs> And then you have a baby and you get, well, when are you having another baby? Yes. <laughs> so it doesn't stop. We've got this continual pressure about how life should be. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder what proportion of people get married because they feel it's expected. That's where I was going. But if you thought you, that no divorce existed and you couldn't get, you know, you didn't have that easy get out clause, would you really be that quick to jump into something with somebody that maybe you don't fully know? I wonder about the people who, what I'm understanding from you is that certain people would just be really, really careful and choosy, whereas it is possible that some folks are perhaps not as such because they say, well, you know, at the end of the day, if worse comes to worst, I can always divorce them. Like, I'm I'm not stuck with them forever. I do wonder about the people who may not really have it in their heart to be married, that that sort of contract really doesn't resonate with them. And that perhaps they may bend towards societal pressure because it is the thing to do. But if there were no divorce, it may heighten the awareness and some people may decide, you know what, marriage is not for me. Yeah. But then at that stage, that's bound to arouse some sort of conflict, right? Yeah. Because the immediate question is, well, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to marry me? Ah. Which even with divorce being available here, we still ask that question. Yeah. So we got together with some friends in North Carolina and we were sitting down, you know, two couples just having a good chat over some libations. And um, this friend, this guy friend of my husband was saying, yeah, you know, they were talking about his ex-girlfriend. Where is she? Where is she? Et cetera. And uh, he was saying that when they were dating, he said to her, I'm not the marrying type. But lo and behold, very shortly after they, he met his now wife. Yeah. And then when his ex-girlfriend found out that he's married, she was like, but you said it, you weren't the marrying type. And this happens all the time. And it's devastating. Yeah, it does. And he recounted the story that when he met his now wife, there was something about his now wife that he saw marriage in. He saw the possibility mm-hmm. of marriage materialize. And I think that's the most hurtful thing to be that partner who's been left behind. Yeah, But the other take on that, though, if we just reframe it slightly, is they never would have been the right couple to stay together long term anyway. That is correct. So in which case, you've had a narrow escape because you've avoided divorce, you've avoided going through all of that trauma and upheaval in your life for somebody who wasn't right for you long term. Yeah, that's true. Although I do now need to know, did the ex then get married to somebody else? Yeah. Is she now married? Yeah, she is married. There you go. Yeah. And 
you know, we can always romanticize what it could have been, but the fact is, is if you're getting married to somebody who says that they're not the marrying type, it is because they don't see marriage with you. And that sounds like a really awful stab in the heart, but it means that they're not going to be that, the partner that you deserve and need. They're not going to step up and be a good partner. No. They don't see the potential for them to be their best selves. Actually, now that we're here is, I know so many people who try to convince their partners to marry them, who say, it's been two years, it's time, I need the ring, all my parents, you know, everybody's asking. And there's a lot of people who kind of go along with it. And they may actually go along with it because they're like, well, I guess, yeah, why not? And there's divorce. If worse comes worse, I can always use that card. But being three years and how many months? How many months am I into my marriage? (laughs) Oh, at least four. Three years, four months, Oh my gosh, yeah, you're keeping track. (laughs) Being that far into marriage, guys, I can tell you, this this is no joke. Marriage is wonderful and it's also a real challenge. It's not easy. You don't want to be there with somebody who is half-hearted, who no. just kind of decided to go along with it like you may be like with a friend on Friday night. Yeah, come out to the bar. You'll have fun. Well, yeah, okay, I guess so. I'll put on some clothes. You don't want that person coming to the altar with you. You don't. And being 50 years into marriage with you. So if you take away divorce, if you take away that out, that exit, mm. that presents a really interesting opportunity, actually. I do wonder, would courtships be longer? Yes. Because you'd kind of want to know you were doing the right thing. If you knew there was no way out, how long would you wait before you said yes? Yeah. <laughs> I think it would take a lot of that romance of us saying, oh, I just knew at the first sight. I just, I knew within yeah. three weeks, this is the person I want to spend my life with. I mean, realistically, love and that intoxicated sort of love dopamine high, that is often mm. what's clouding our judgment in the first few months, at least. Yeah. Well, don't they say it can last between six months and two years? Yeah. So it could take you that long before the rose-tinted glasses wear off. Yes. And I don't know about in Jersey, but here on the state side, two years is kind of that magical number where us, I'll say women, tend to get pretty antsy. And we're like, (laughs) two years is about as long as I can justify to my friends that my partner actually means the business and is going to get married. Yeah. And you know, what's also funny is I've known a lot of folks who've come through the marriage planning process where the rose tinted glasses are starting to come off. Mm. And just as the final cake preparations and the seating arrangements are coming into play, one partner is like, oh, no. But they go through it anyways, because they're like, oh, invitations have already gone out. I guess I'm just going to get married because, well, there's all this divorce. I'm at the point of no return. You know what? (laughs) Listen, and it's really freaking hard to leave a, a fiance at the altar, but way better than suffering through an acrimonious divorce. So, you know, there's so many nuances. What else is coming up for you? I think for me, it's about the not rushing into things. I think it's taken a lot longer to have that courtship, to date each other, to connect through different levels. I've just written an um, article about the five stages of a relationship. Mm. So they're talking that about you know, that initial honeymoon period, reaching the point of decision and doubt. And that can come in at various stages within a relationship. You might find that it comes after having children or hitting a midlife crisis or parents being ill, like all kinds of situations in your life can trigger that. So it's not necessarily a linear thing that it happens at a set time. But you also then start to hit that conflict, that trauma phase where maybe things don't work out so well, you don't see eye to eye. And but if you make it through all of that, then you start to get into that more deeper love where you've got more resilience within the relationship. 
So I do wonder if people would take a lot, lot longer and wait maybe until they got to that past those stages and into the resilience where you start to build a really strong bond in the relationship. Because we know people change over time as well. So I think there's a lot of that. I think also the other thing that comes up for me is when you're then in a relationship, how much time and effort and investment you put into it. Yes. If you know that there's no get out clause, if you know that you're in it for life, you're going to take more time to work through some of the stuff that actually in society, because we want a quick fix and we want everything sorted yesterday and you know, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else who's on Instagram or social media or, you know, any other platform, then, you know, would we take more time just to get over those bumps in the road that come up? I think you're right. I feel myself a product of our of our generation when I sometimes feel like my relationship is like an H&M store where like, you know what, my dude isn't working out this week. I just, I really, I'm just going to go and get myself a new dude because <laughs> that season is out. It's so 2017. I just need a 2020 model and I'm going to go out and get one. Yeah. So I find myself feeling this, the exit strategy coming up yeah. far earlier than I should, which is ridiculous. And then I start to think of the realities, like really what's waiting at that H&M store? another person who has their own foibles. Yeah. And I really am with the person who's best matched to me. It doesn't feel like that all the time, but we have the most fertile ground for working things out. And whoever I find in the store, you know, it's going to be its own set of disasters. And I can't keep going back to the H&M store for new dudes. No. It's a costly venture. And it costly financially and costly on your heart. It just takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? It draws a lot of emotional energy. Yeah. I think divorce is really important for folks who need to get out, for folks who are either in a situation that's not serving them, a situation where there's complete mismatch, or even a situation that's dangerous for them. Or serial killers. Yes, exactly. Serial killers. (laughs) And abuse, you know, obviously. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. People who need to get out of abusive situations. But then there's the situation of, you know, do we need to just lean into, put on our brave pants and lean into the work? And I have to say that like my, my own relationship is actually doing really well these days. And we kind of turned a corner there and it's weird. Like if I'm sure you can kind of look back in your relationship, sometimes you reach these stages where you're like, that's it. This guy's idiotic. Things are just so mismatched. That's it. And then there's a single conversation or there's something that relieves the log jam. And then yeah. couples have talked about this. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's not true, but it really is. And that's the reason why we exist as relationship coaches is when you see this moment of levity and when you start to move into better communication, you're sort of starting to reconnect with the things that you love about each other. You're like, holy crap, this stuff actually works. Yeah. Me and my dude are like in a really good phase right now. And I know that's not, it's like the waves of the ocean and the tides. It's going to come out. It's going to be kind of shitty again. And then it's going to be beautiful again. And And that's lovely. It's so nice to hear you talking about it and just talking about how happy you are. And going back to that kind of wave motion, I do think you have to suffer those turbulent times to really feel the beautifulness of the relationship when you're not in it. So when you're not in those turbulent moments and you come out the other side, you are stronger. You have a stronger connection together because of it, in spite of it, and, you know, because of everything that's gone on. It's a gratitude, I feel. Yeah. I'm with him, well, not physically with him because we're apart right now, but when I'm with him in this sort of more recent time, I think, 
man, I am super excited to be in this stage in life with you. Yeah. And we came through a rough patch there and I respect him even more because I know that I can feel that my partner is kind of burying certain hatchets and mm. overlooking certain things to be able to, to connect with me. Yeah. I can feel him making the effort. And that is really cool. When you feel your partner making the effort, when they're taking the high road and you know that it's for you and for your relationship, it feels damn awesome. Oh, very well said. Yeah. Oh, you've made me feel all emotional now. I know, I know. <laughs> Give me goosebumps. Oh, I know, I know. I'm feeling all goosebumpy myself. Yeah, no, I'm feeling in a good spot with my dude. And you know how how yeah. close it's come to the cliffside, you know? <laughs> you've been there. But I think sometimes when you've got that separation from each other, you really get time to appreciate each other. Yeah. I know it's like that old cliche, isn't there? The absence makes the heart grow fonder, but... yeah. It is true because you've got some time on your own to just really think about him and yeah. to miss him and to, you know, just, you're not connecting in in the same way. You can still connect, obviously technology's great, but yeah. it's not the same. But, you know, you've got time to really sit and reflect on the positive parts of your relationship. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've, you're kind of there and you're processing that. Yeah, I know. I very much am. And it's funny, like divorce for us is very much a possibility because we're a product of the, like we are in this age and it's quite easy to get a divorce yeah and i'm i'm inclined because i'm a i'm a child of divorce so that's kind of the first outlet is you know if it's not working well don't don't work on it just divorce but um i see that as something that i i really want to keep that as a a, not a no option but just sort of a last option because i i feel like we have potential like i feel like i feel like we can make it if we keep putting the hard work into it oh i'm sure you can yeah so would I get married if there was no divorce? I probably would. I'm kind of a romantic at heart. Me too. You too? <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. But I would, I think it would take me a long time to say yes. Yeah, yeah. What step do you think you would need to go through in a relationship before you'd have enough information? About 50 years. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 well, good, okay. So as a 60, 70-year-olds that you'd jump in, yeah. jump in two feet in. We'll be tottering down the aisle. <laughs> tottering down the aisle with your little walkers. Yeah. <laughs> Very sweet. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. And by then one of you would have hearing aids and not even really be able to hear each other all that well anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes that <laughs> old folks for, for whom their hearing has diminished may be the most blessed of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a number of patients where I clean their ears out of wax and I said, for some of them, they say, oh, I can hear a lot better. And I say, well, don't tell your wife. <laughs> this is a secret between you and I. Let's just pretend that you still have, your ears are clogged with wax. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, and there's naughty sides coming out to play again. Oh, yes. <laughs> so any final thoughts about the prospect of the starship without divorce? Well, I think we've obviously got a blockbuster movie on our hands now. We just need to write the book, Anna. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, who's who's the Titanic director? James, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his name? James Cameron. I think you need to call up James Cameron and yeah. say, there's a big script. Yeah. The Starship Without Divorce. Yeah, this is going to be it. It's going to be the big one. <laughs> okay, so everybody listening is you heard it here first. You did. If somebody steals our idea, <laughs> we've got the evidence to prove it was actually conceived here. <laughs> It really paints a dystopian world. Yeah. But I think well, I think what we're trying to paint is a world that is not a starship that is this dystopian world without divorce. It really is. We paint a beautiful world, an opportunity for you to create a partnership with somebody 
like you're saying, maybe taking more time than you ordinarily would and just really leaning into the effort. Yeah. But having divorce is just a card if your partner turns out to be a serial killer. Which I think is needed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Should we uh, should we move along to the question? <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> let's hope it's slightly less bizarre. <laughs> oh, I love the bizarreness. This was great. <laughs> okay, so question of the week. Are you ready? I am. Okay. What should I do? My partner is so different from me. Hmm, okay. It's quite short this week. I'm going to read it again. Mm. What should I do? My partner is so different from me. Mm. We usually start with just feeling the mood of a question. Mm. And I feel like the brevity of it. I feel a lot is being said by how short this question is. Mm. I feel a hint of sadness, but I don't feel despair. Hmm. Okay. So I feel... As usual, I've got lots of questions that I want to ask. So for me, the questions are about, you know, is this a new discovery? Mm. Is it something that's maybe always been there, but you've locked it away and now it's starting to niggle slightly mm. more? Mm-hmm. Is it that you've both changed? Mm. These are just some of the questions that are coming up for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a bit of confusion in the way this question is phrased. Okay, I hear what you're saying is not despair, a bit of sadness. Mm. So what's a question you would ask? I think there are two things for me that come up are, you know, how much of a deal breaker is it? So is it really Mm -hmm. that big a deal? Mm -hmm. Or is it just something that's kind of niggling away? And the other side, looking at it from a completely different angle is, well, what benefit could the differences bring? Oh, yeah. Okay, go on with that, actually. So, you know, we do kind of tend to couple up with people that are quite similar to us. Or it appears that way when we initially meet and connect and, you know, it's like, oh, I've met my soul person, they're, you know, they're just right for me, everything about them is the same, they're like all the things that I like, (laughs) in reality they don't, Yes, they like completely different music, (laughs) but when we first meet we kind of notice all the things that are like us because we want to be attracted to somebody that is like us like energy attracts like energy and we're looking for that match that mate that somebody who is just like us Mm. but you know if we're always the same all of the time then we don't have any healthy conflict or discussion or Mm. entertainment that goes on with it because it is just the same it's like dating a mirror image of yourself yeah so if you took that apart and said well actually they are different and if they're not fundamental deal breakers then where can you celebrate those differences? Where can you use it for discussion, for, Mm. you know, the time that you connect because you know more about somebody who is different to you, but you can learn so much more about them and they can learn about you when you open up your mind to a different way of thinking. That's a beautiful opportunity. I think what gets in the way is societal expectations that really drive one narrative, which is a healthy couple does everything together, (laughs) we'll never be apart, nobody goes off and does their own thing. That's actually really unhealthy because just like you say in that sort of rose-colored glasses phase, there's a lot of pretending that I'm into your thing. Oh yeah, because I'm into you, so I'm going to be into whatever your thing is. But as the rose-colored glasses come off and we sort of settle into the next phase of our relationship... I'm going to kind of be like, you know what, I actually 
was kind of pretending to be into that. I'm actually not into that at all. And I want to kind of do my own thing. Yeah. Would you like to do that thing with me? Oh, oh, you're not into that too. Okay, well, let's do separate things sometimes. But yeah, there's a lot of threat that feels very threatening because our society does not properly teach us how to keep separate interests, but yet enjoy that connection with each other. There's a poet who wrote about let you be two trees standing, but with enough space to allow the sun sunlight in. And that's a very threatening concept in Western society, I feel. But that stems from the fact that we've got these voids within us that exist, that we expect the other person to fill. Oh, yes. So then the thought of them going away and do something different with somebody else, it does make you scared. It does present a threat because they're not there to top up your void and make you feel whole. Yeah. When in reality, we know that's not possible. Yes, because that stupid movie was like, you complete me. And that became a line. And then we started to think that relationships are meant to fill our voids, that yeah. we're not to put our brave. We don't need brave pants on to, to make ourselves whole. We can just have a relationship for that. But the first person we need a relationship with is ourselves. Yes. Our relationship with ourselves needs to come back to this question because the question is, what should I do? My partner is so different from me. Who are you to yourself? Yeah. Does what your partner is or their interests or their commonalities, does it even matter if you are complete in yourself and if you're standing on your own two feet and your cup is full, it opens up a whole new set of requirements for compatibility. Because I feel like my dude and I, I think we have certain commonalities, but there's things that we love to do separately. And and this has been a real struggle for me, actually, because I kind of really bought into the, I was drinking the Kool-Aid of like, we should do everything together. And my husband actually has taught me a lot of things about standing on your own and yeah. and he can celebrate the things that I do, but he's like, I'm not into that, but I will celebrate that you're doing it. I'm not into it. And I also want to have time to play guitar Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not going to be part of him playing guitar, but I'm going to honor that space. And then I will know that when he's been playing guitar and learning a few new chords that he comes out, he's happier. He feels a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So when you come back together then after doing your own having your own experiences and you come back together, how does that feel? Well, I'm high on the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. He also, and what I realize is if we don't have that sense of accomplishment, we are sad people and we're really bad in relationship. The more intertwined we are together and the more we are codependent, yeah. the less that we can get out and do our thing, the more miserable we are and the, the more we fight. Yeah. That is a truth. And that's a truth in a lot of relationships. Yes. But I, th I know I'm not alone. I know that all of us have been taught that the end of a romantic movie, of a rom-com, is like what it will be. Yeah. And that is not a reality. But the reality is beautiful, more beautiful. So now I can do my own thing. I'm, I'm here in Toronto by myself for two months doing clinical practice so that I can grow my career. And my dude is like, yeah, and he's eating fried chicken and playing as much guitar as he wants, being the bachelor. And loving life. <laughs> he's enjoying life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there's space where there's sunlight allowed to come into our relationship. But it's a little hard because then I yeah. feel, you know, you can feel jealous and suspicious, like, oh, are they going to go off and have an affair? And especially if those activities that your partner likes that involve other people, mm. we immediately say, oh, are they going to go and start sleeping around with somebody else? Isn't that weird? Well, it's not weird. But again, it comes back to knowing who you are as a person mm -hmm. and having that sense of belief and belonging to yourself as a human being. Yeah. And a sense of confidence. Yeah. That I grow my own roots into the ground. Therefore, our relationship has something to stand on. Yeah. 
which I know a lot of people struggle with. I struggle with for a long time, just knowing who I was as a person. Mm. I know a lot of people struggle with this. It is, this is tough stuff, right? Yes. Like this isn't just a quick 20 minute fix that we're talking about. This is difficult stuff and you have to do the work. And it's painful to even propose to people. Yeah. I think a lot of people hearing this will be like, I don't want to hear this. I'm Or say there's nothing wrong with them. Yes. So when was your turning point? Because when did this realization kick you in the ass? I think I've always been quite independent as a person. So I've never needed to be that person that has to do everything with everybody. I am quite independent. I've always had a mixture of different friendship groups. And Mm. so I've always had my own interests. I didn't always like spending time by myself, but now I do. Um, quite like that too. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is, for me, it's just more about getting the balance right and making sure there's some equilibrium there so it doesn't go too far the other way. Mm. The mix has to be right. And I think that's where it just becomes more delicate is to try and get that equilibrium right. Ah, okay. So then your current relationship with your man is quite a different setup. I'm assuming you've taken a lot of these learnings into this relationship then. Yeah, definitely. How do you guys find the balance? Striking that delicate balance, what kind of words do you use? Oh, I'm quite straight up. I just say we haven't spent enough time together. Oh, okay, okay, (laughs) okay. We need to book some time in the diary. (laughs) Good, good. Is there ever a time when you or your other half are in an activity where you feel like you actually want to bring it into the relationship as opposed to having it a separate activity anytime you've negotiated that? No. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, right on. I can't think of anything, no. (laughs) (laughs) And your other half... He has his things that he's into. and Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's got his own interests as well. Nice. He's a guitar fan too. Ah, mm. nice, nice. And piano. Ah, beautiful. So sometimes you guys can come together to play, but a lot of the time you're... No, no, we'd never play it together. <laughs> no. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I feel in what you're saying is you've moved many, many steps. Like this peacefulness with you doing your thing, him doing his thing, and then the relationship coming together for other things. There's a real sense of peace with this, which I know was not easy in coming. Yeah. And that's right. I think you do have to work at it. You've just got to get a grips with what, you know, what this was the magic formula or ingredient is for you and your relationship. And Mm -hmm. once you can find that balance, then you're able to then be open and honest about, you know, actually we need to get back to where we know we're good. Mm. So I think it's maybe that conversation to have. Okay. So you already had two coaching questions for this person with this question. Yes. And I'm wondering if anything else is coming up because with you knowing how strong a relationship can be to celebrate the differences, to leave space for those differences, to see the opportunity in your differences. I love that second coaching question that you put forward, which is what is the opportunity? Yeah. And how can you lean into and embrace those differences? but yet also tuning into probably what attracted to you to that person in the first place. Mm. The similarities are, you know, how do we sort of highlight the similarities and not lose them for all the differences that we're noticing? Sounds like this person is on a journey. Well, we all are. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, sometimes like the typical Cosmo magazines, remember the trashy magazines that you said you get on vacation? I, I love a trashy magazine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them would say, oh, you're so different. That's it, you know ditch that relationship, go find somebody who's with whom you share more commonalities or something like that. But actually, we're seeing a lot of juicy material in this ability to go and and explore and and see, well, how do you strike a balance with people and let those differences shine? 
you know, when we think about travel, and I know it's we're in this weird space of, of time when travel is difficult. It's not something that is readily available to us as it has been. But if we think about travel, when we're going to new countries and we want to experience new things, it's all about opening up the mind, opening up the perspective. Mm. It's about experiencing something new. And, you know, if we bring that back to this question, what should I do? My partner is so different from me. If he was another country, how would you explore that difference then and bring it back to your country so that the two countries can coexist together? Oh my God, yes. Yes. So as opposed to seeing a a different cuisine as being threatening, saying, I might find my best meal ever if I just have a taste. Yes. (laughs) Just take a bite. (laughs) Yes. And bring those spices back home and then just broaden your horizon for your cuisine at home. I love that. Because what do we feel when we're going off on that adventure? It's excitement. We can't wait to pack our bags to explore, get on the plane. Yeah. To get to that first restaurant and start exploring and tasting and... And then just hug it all out at the end. (laughs) And hug it all out. Bring it on back to the hugging. (gasps) Yeah, yeah. The hug can help to connect with the things and, and physical connection may be one of those things I have to say, my husband is probably the best hugger I've ever met in my life. Like the shit can be hitting the fan in a big way in our relationship, but his hugs are like, whoa, there's something very right about that. So you're right. Hug it out because you may remember how much you have in common. Yeah. Their arms around you. Get the connection flowing. (laughs) And the fizzy knickers. (laughs) Well, Anna's now desperate to say I'm man and I really want to go on holiday. (laughs) Yeah. After all of that discussion and chat this week. <laughs> I was going to say, I, f- I would love to get on the, in Italy and just, oh, oh my God, have a real slice of pizza. Yeah. One day, listeners, we're going to be, yes, we're going to be back in the world together with each other. And we can regale you with our tales of travel. Yeah. And until then, we're going to keep the fires on and fires warm on our podcast and just give you some, hopefully some words to live by, but more like words to just keep saying by. Yes. <laughs> Definitely stay sane. One hug at a time. Yes. So between all the hugs between now and next week, we shall look forward to tuning in again with a great hot topic and a brand new question. Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, it has been a pleasure, Anna. Thank you ever so much. Yes. And it's been lovely to see you in your new environment. You are glowing as ever. My quarantine uh, lullaby is our beautiful podcast. Thank you. You will soon be out of quarantine. Yes. Nothing lasts forever. (laughs) (laughs) So until next week, thanks for listening. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.